22 to 46. Saturday, cloudy with showers, highs around 60. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. I am among the luckiest uh, talk show hosts in the world because I have great understanding guests. Even when I overbook, I end up with the great and good fortune to talk to uh, the Honorable Paul Mark, um, representative of Second Berkshire and soon to be senator, I believe, um, representing all four counties, portions of all four counties, and Paul Mark is with us. Hello, Paul. Hey, how are you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm confusing people. <laughs> I uh, this is the first time I ever did it, but it, we had three wonderful guests booked for this moment. Um, and fortunately, one of them understood. Another one removed, and here we are with Paul Mark. So, um, well, you have been busy. I'm seeing your name everywhere, Paul. Yeah, we've been we've been running all over the place. It's like we um, we got through the primary. It was a, a very big win, and we've just not stopped at all. It's like when you win that big, it's like wow, this is a this is this is a, a message that I must work even harder because <laughs> I have to live up to it. You know? Well, let's talk about that because it's a serious question. How do you run for the Senate and still make sure that you are representing the constituents? in the house that you've been already elected to represent. How do you do that? It's, it's an interesting balance, especially where it's the year where redistricting happened. So in one way of looking at it, I was kind of blessed in that uh, because of the way redistricting shook out, none of my towns moving forward don't have another rep that is coming in, if that makes sense. So every one of my communities, there's not an open seat that I'm, I'm leaving behind, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and so... So I, I have partners that I've been working with, you know, for the past couple of years anyway in, in all of the towns that are leaving my rep district and then in the district towns that are rep district and staying in the Senate district. Well, you know, it's just it, it, it's a different hat, but you're still doing essentially the same job. What threw an added little wrinkle into it all as we try to navigate campaigning and and talking to the old towns, talking to the new towns, talking to the present towns, is then Senator Hines ended up leaving Monday. <laughs> so right. That kinda, yeah, that kind of made it a little more interesting, but still nothing that's not manageable. And by the way, I'm very, very happy for him that he's landing in a position that he really feels great about. And as you know, I'm a big fan of the Kennedy Institute, which he mm -hmm. is uh, moving over to its uh, institute to celebrate the United States Senate and our democracy. What's more timely than that, huh? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a great role. It's a great fit for him, I think, personally and, and, and especially. And it's it's one of those things where, as you're moving through time, you hit roadblocks and you hit things that are disappointed, uh, disappointing. And and for him specifically, you know, the convention and, and and coming in fourth and not making that ballot. And you know what? It turned out to be a blessing because it gave him that extra time to start looking for something else and. Boy, do I think he like he rolled the dice and it came up sevens. Like like this is a, this is a great job. Indeed, but it also gave him time to be a father. That's true. Too. No small thing. He's got a beautiful little boy, and he's he, he's uh, happily married um, to a very accomplished professor from Amherst College. He's um, he's in a good place, and he deserves it. And so so here's the deal, Mister Paul Mark. You are succeeding. Two extremely productive and hardworking and um, respected senators representing the, uh, the constituencies that you're taking over, with with the wrinkle being, of course, the census changed the constituents a bit. But you got 57 towns, I believe, that you're going to be um, representing. And uh, I think Ben Downing did an excellent job as a senator. He was my senator, as did Adam Hines. He was my senator. And now you are going to succeed them tall order it is it and I'm, I'm lucky to have had the opportunity to have served alongside both of them for six years uh respectively and to kind of see what i liked about what they did what i didn't love about what they did and and you try to as you do this job you come into it with with your own ideas of, of what you want to pursue and what you think the office should look like and then as you campaign even the first time out all the way through today you hear new ideas that kind of push you in different directions or, or maybe impact what you were already thinking and, and kind of improve it. And then you, you see different different 
styles that that different colleagues use. And I think you know what do they say? Imitation is the best form of, of flattery. That you 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 kind of pick up good habits from others. And so, yeah, I, I, it, it's the biggest most daunting part of any of it is just the geography, just the distance, the amount of towns you're you're covering and trying to build relationships. I said, I've I've said this, I've had 25 of the towns in the past. So 32 new towns, building relationship in those towns and just being ready to go and making sure that people know how to get a hold of you, what you're, what you're all about, and then trying to keep present. And I think I did a good job staying present in the 29 different communities I've represented over the, over the years in the house. And I, you know, I want, I want people to feel that same commitment and hopefully feel that same satisfaction uh, as, as I move into the new role. Well, I know that those towns which have previously um, had you representing them, um, boy, you you can't go very far without a Paul Mark sign uh, (laughs) jumping into your vision. Um, and I, I know that you've been overwhelmingly, your, your candidacy for the Senate has been overwhelmingly uh, uh, supported among the people that know you. You have an advantage over your two predecessors, which is uh, you're, n- you're not starting off running as a senator. You started off running as a House member, so that you've got those 10 or 11, what, how many years in the House? 11. 11. Yeah, 11 years in the House to fall back on. And uh, as part of a delegation that represents our uh, immeasurably wonderful region. Um, do you consider yourself, when, when, as a senator or as a rep, um, I know that you take an oath to our Constitution, to the U.S. Constitution, and, and certainly the body, the large body, the 160-member House, the 40-member Senate is where your allegiance runs, but you must identify as a member of this local delegation because you guys often undertake important stuff in concert. Yeah, yeah. Your your, your delegation, especially now moving over to the Senate, the, uh, it, it, there's going to be six representatives I serve alongside with in the 57 communities. And so the, the seven of you, of course, have to be the primary because your region is ultimately the reason why you're down there. I mean, these are people that are voting for you. These are people that are paying your salary. And so it's your job to make sure that their voice is the number one being heard you know, first and foremost, of course. And so what's interesting in, in the Senate district, Berkshires West, um, we haven't had a House member go over to the Senate. I think the stat is the 1950s or the 1960s. It, it just isn't something that normally happens. The last seven senators at least have, have come into the Senate with that's day one of their legislative experience. And so it's been different in the Valley that, that you've had um, Senator Velas right now. He was in the House already for a while. You had Senator Rosenberg was a House member. Senator John Olver was a, was a House member. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that by doing this, by making this leap, A, yeah, I already have the experience of working with the other six reps, and so I already seem to have a really good relationship with all six of them. Uh, they've been calling me and texting me a lot already, <laughs> so like I'm already in the job, right. which is kind of, kind of fun, uh, kind of getting used to things. And then at the same time, yeah, you have this previous experience that hopefully is going to translate into, you know, a better committee assignment, a better grasp of, of legislation and policy. And so the voice of these 57 towns, you know, is going to have a direct imprint, I, I hope, on as many bills as possible and as many budget bills and, and bonding bills, too, that come through uh, the legislature next two years. Yeah. So <clears throat> our region... <clears throat> there are certain things that are universal across the Commonwealth that th- these needs, but representing a rural area, every school district has needs, but rural schools have very particularized problems right now that you've been dealing with as a house member together with, with Natalie Blay and Joe Comfort and a, a number of others in this delegation that we're talking about have been dealing with that. We're dealing with agriculture issues, which are unique to Maybe they're not unique to our area, but they're certainly central to our area. Um, do you think that the knowledge that you have from the perspective of the House member uh, in any way gives you a boost, other than what you're just talking about? You, you sort of know where the water, water cooler is, but gives you a, gives you an advantage in dealing with these more nettlesome... Oh, not to mention IT, by the way, and... and, and uh, broadband and those kinds of issues. Does, do you think you have a leg up because you've been a House member? Yeah, I, I, I think I have a leg up because having served in the House, I've served with, I think I checked, 19 of the current senators already in the House that have, that have gone over and made the jump. And then 
the rest of them, other than the, the brand new people that are coming in with me, uh, God willing, in January, and maybe like three senators that I don't really have a relationship with, I, I, I know the rest of them. So what you hope is that as soon as you get down there, you're, you're there with colleagues that already know something about you, and you get the opportunity now to really kind of showcase what's a little bit unique and what's a little bit different about your region in comparison to the other districts. It's like you talk about, yeah, we all have school districts, but what's unique about school districts in Western Franklin County and Western Hampshire County and Berkshire County versus the inner city of Boston or the inner city of Brockton or Lawrence. And like, what, what do we have in common? And then having already built some relationships, you know, how can we, how can we get an understanding of that common ground a little bit quicker? And it's given me an opportunity. I've already had five of the senators out to the Senate district uh, since I've been campaigning this, this calendar year and getting them a heads up, a head start of understanding, you know, what, again, what is, what is different here? And I'm obviously completely willing to go to their districts, of course, at the time uh, is appropriate when, when they're ready for that. And I have a couple more I think are going to come out before the year's over as well. So there's also a good opportunity that if everything goes the way it's looking like right now, you're going to have five new Democratic senators coming in. And I just happen to have been looking at this uh, recently. We're all five of us are within five years of each other in age. So for 43 to 37 and you generally, you develop a closeness, at least in the house with the colleagues that come in new with you. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that as one eighth of the Senate, that we're going to develop a bond. We're going to work together to understand what's important in our own regions. And then it's going to give us some kind of a, of a clout and, and a standing in the, in the body that, you know, we're, we're five of us will all be chairs right away that I, I hope is going to let us all make an impact. And three of us are coming over from the House, so we already have good working relationships. Plus, no small thing, uh, the corner office, the uh, executive, mm-hmm. it appears it's going to be a Democrat, Maura Healy, and a Lieutenant Governor, uh, Kim Driscoll, going to have two women elected to uh, to head our executive branch, um, one of whom is um, is gay, uh, one of whom understands municipal government. That does that. How do, are you licking your chops as a Democratic senator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, first, it's, it's, it's exciting because it's history making, because I believe it's the first time not just in Massachusetts, but anywhere that a, that a, a, a woman governor, a woman lieutenant governor are running as a ticket and hopefully are going to serve together. Oh, is that true? And, I didn't know that was true. Yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. Go yeah, Massachusetts. And right? And, but it's funny because on the other side of it is it's going to be the first woman to be elected governor in her own right in, in Massachusetts. So we're a little bit behind some other states there. Um, but, but yeah, it, it seems like it's a good opportunity in terms of as the governor who's a member of the same party and has a good relationship with the House and Senate, that she's going to be championing some important legislation that I think the majority of legislators care about, and that hopefully she's going to be... And, and, and Governor Baker, you know, he was he was not horrendous. He, there were things we could work with him on. There were things that he was very difficult on. But, I, you know, I, I think he gave a lot of deference to the legislature, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the same kind of relationship where we knew he would be there if we wanted to do something bold. And, and I'm feeling with with the potential for Governor Healy that, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have that counterpart. And we're in a world right now where the federal government, especially through the courts is making the states live up to this idea that we're the laboratories of democracy. So like we have a responsibility to really be ready to take action as we see what, what happens nationally and worldwide over the next couple of years. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's exactly where I was headed. We're going to take a break. We are talking to uh, representative Paul Mark, I believe soon to be Senator Paul Mark. And um, when we come back, I want to ask him about uh, his perspective. I know through my lens as somebody who's an activist and, and an attorney who, who litigated uh, things that I believe um, elevate the social conscience, uh, even on an international scale, I've litigated some of those things. I wonder what it's like to be one of the lawmakers in a Commonwealth of Massachusetts, a very blue state, watching democracy imperiled in the way that it is and what a senator paul mark can try to do to impact on that we're going to be back with paul mark um right after these messages do stay with us this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 101.5 whmp 
Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits? Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's Polka Carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. Smith Academy in Hatfield is accepting school choice applications through September 30th. With class sizes averaging 10 students, Smith Academy can offer more than 20 clubs, 7 AP courses, 14 sports teams, work studies and internships, free dual enrollment at HCC and Smith College, and computer science for all students. With a graduation rate of over 95%, most college-bound, Smith Academy can prepare you for the next step. No cost to apply or attend. Call them or go to HatfieldPS.net and schedule a tour today. Things to do with butternut. Roast it with butter and sage, mash it with butter and maple syrup, stuff it with quinoa, kale, and cranberries, and then there's curried butternut soup. Squash. The season is long, the recipes are endless, and River Valley Co-op is a fall festival of squash. Next time you're there, buy that squash you never buy. Kabocha squash or Blue Hubbard squash. Why? Why not? River Valley Co-op. Everyone is welcome, not just members. And everyone is wild about local squash. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. A new report finds residential rent is falling, but not all rent is falling. The rent on single-family homes has yet to move into reverse, but a new report from property data firm CoStar Group found apartment rents fell a tenth of a percent in August. It might not sound like much, but it was the first monthly decline in rent since December 2020. Recalls continue to dog forward. The automaker has just issued its 56th recall of 2022. This time, the automaker is recalling 86,000 current model Bronco Sports and F-150 pickups. Allstate Identity Protection is warning job seekers that scammers are posting fake work-at-home jobs, taking advantage of people who do not want to return to the office. The scammers tell applicants they must buy business supplies and provide personal information. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Always a pleasure to speak with Representative Paul, Mark, and Paul, during the break I was talking to you, I do want to hear about and talk about um, the state as a laboratory of democracy, but before we go any further, how do people get in touch with you, both in your representative role and also your campaign? Yeah, if, if you're looking for help on the state rep level, uh, the district phone number is 413-464-5635, and my email as a rep is paul.mark at mahouse.gov. Uh, for campaign stuff, you can go to votepaulmark.com, uh, I think there's a form on there. At, at the least, it leads to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. But I, uh, my campaign email is paul at votepaulmark.com, and I think there's other ways to contact us through the website. That's great. Getting close. We're, it what, is. five weeks away? Yeah, five weeks. It's almost, it's almost over. What a, what a, I won't complain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure you won't complain. Uh, I know you've been active as a campaigner, but you never stopped working as a House representative. So I've, and the and, campaign's been almost a year, which is a long time. Oh my goodness, that is a long time. That's how long you've been campaigning. October eighteenth. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, almost over. Yep. Um, and I have a feeling, uh, boy, this is. Uh, I hope the Las Vegas bookies are listening because I'm pretty sure things are going to go well for Palmar campaign. That's what I think. But <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> I I have to ask you because. You're not only a politician, you are principally a public servant. Speaking of not public servants, but politicians, I want to ask you about Ron DeSantis, 
who was elected as a new member of the House of Representatives in Congress on his second day in the job is when Hurricane Sandy decimated parts of New Jersey and New York. People died. The subway system was flooded, interfering with our commercial center in this country, New York City. Just terrible, terrible devastation. And he voted against any federal funds saying, and he said this, that it's not up to the federal government, it's people's own homes and it's little, it's the city's responsibilities. Why should the federal government take the burden to help any particular jurisdiction? And that's what he said in 2013. And what he's saying now is, Hurricane Ian has done terrible things to the state of Florida. The federal government should 100% be reimbursing Florida for all the damages it's caused by a hurricane because it's an act of God. What do you think, Representative Paul Mark? I, I think that's classic, that there's so many uh, members of the Congress, especially uh, occasionally members of the state legislature, that are always there to vote no to the uh, funding, but always there to show up for the ribbon cutting. And so, yeah, you have the exact same situation, that when it was funding to go to a different state, he was against it. It wasn't the federal government's role. But when his people who deserve, of course, to receive the funding, are in need. Well, it's a different story. You, you know, I, I imagine his his, uh, his thoughts have evolved. <laughs> so he'll say it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. You know, I looked up this morning. What is the definition of hypocrisy? It's the practice of claiming to have moral standards or moral beliefs to which your own behavior doesn't conform. It's a pretense. It is, and it's so shameful that somebody running for office and representing himself as a caring person. I, I mean, I always wonder, how can you claim to love America when you prove that you hate Americans? Right. And and just when you talk about the idea of um, justice in the universe, for him to disrupt the lives of those people that he sent up here, people who legally are in the country seeking asylum, migrant workers, and send them to Martha's Vineyard for some kind of a cheap laugh, and, and to just disruptive, to be interfering with people in need is just so sickening. And while you would never wish anything bad, boy, does that just put things in focus that maybe instead of dumb political stunts, you should have been preparing and making sure that your state was in the best position possible. And yeah, now here you are looking like a fool coming to people with your hat in your hand. You know, it's just, it's, it's horrible. What I'd like to do is get in touch with every undocumented or every immigrant who works in the building trades in Florida and say, just say, I don't want to work. Send me to Martha's Vineyard. I don't want to rebuild Florida. <laughs> I want to go to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> we'll gladly, gladly take you. <laughs> I, am, I, am, uh, I have only one more question. We have the wonderful John Boniface of Free Speech uh, for oh, People awesome. on the phone um, as our next guest. But I, uh, I wanted to ask you to elaborate on this notion that the states, the individual states, are the laboratory of democracy. Could you elaborate on that for us? In, increasingly, with the federal government kind of shirking a lot of responsibilities and with the, with the Supreme Court taking away constitutional rights and, and kind of expanding the First Amendment in ways that nobody could imagine, but like limiting other places um, that, that I think people would expect federal uh, authority, it, it puts the states in this position of backfilling, of, 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 of taking over the void. And so whether it's been reproductive freedom and reproductive health care, whether it's been the ability to vote, whether it's been health care issues, you know, environmental issues. Here we find ourselves in Massachusetts that we have to not just do enough, we have to be bold and we have to be leaders because the rest of the country looks to us. And for every stunt like DeSantis or Abbott pulling that kind of garbage, you know, they expect what is Massachusetts doing when it comes to reproductive access, when it comes to access to the ballot? And if we don't take bold action, then it gives an excuse to other states, I think, to, to be either wishy-washy or even to be harmful. What a great place to break. Paul Mark, it's always such a joy to, to speak to you, and thank you so much for accommodating us today with your busy schedule. One more time, how do people get in touch with your campaign? Uh, VotePaulMark.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that stuff. <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> His name is Paul Mark, running for Senate and currently representing um, many towns that are the beneficiary of his hard work. Thank you so much for being a public servant 
Thank you so much for running for Senate, and thank you so much for joining us today, Paul Mark. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. Good to talk to you. We're going to be back with John Bonifaz, the incredible co-founder and president of Free Speech for People. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Speaking of democracy, we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family run since 1964. Experience it in Greenfield. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Kyler. Smith Vocational will be able to expand its animal science program thanks to a $2 million grant. Smith was one of 14 high schools in the state to receive funding as part of the Skills Capital Grants Program, which is designed to help schools purchase and install equipment and make renovations necessary to better support vocational and technical education. East Hampton will be receiving a grant for traffic safety improvements. The East Hampton Police Department was awarded a $30,000 grant to increase traffic safety within the city. The grant comes from the 2023 Municipal Road Safety Grant Program. These grants provide police departments the ability to address local traffic issues, develop new strategies to reduce roadway crashes, injuries, and fatalities across the Commonwealth. The independent investigation Greenfield Mayor Roxanne Wiedegardner ordered when she placed Police Chief Robert Haig and Lieutenant Todd Dodge on paid leave has been released. The investigation looked into a conversation between the two officers in a parking lot on April 22nd, which was perceived by Chief Haig as an attempt to circumvent court proceedings. The investigation found there is insufficient credible evidence to say that either Haig or Dodge committed perjury. And the Hilltown Arts Alliance and the Hilltown Community Development Corp. have joined forces to sponsor events this weekend to showcase local arts and small businesses. On tap will be an art salon in Cummington, a wine tasting in Southampton, and a celebration of the 10th anniversary of the old Creamery Co-op in Cummington with food and music. An open studio tour will take place Saturday and Sunday in Plainfield, North Chester, Worthington, Huntington, Chesterfield, and Cummington. More info can be found at hilltownartsalliance.org. For the rest of today, look for a mixture of sunshine and clouds, high 62 to 66. Tonight, it's cloudy, overnight lows 42 to 46. Saturday, cloudy with showers, highs around 60. I'm 22 New Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Do you know what's going on in business in Western Mass? You do if you read Business West. Find out which companies are growing, which companies are innovating. Learn about people on the move, people taking the lead. Every issue of Business West is packed with business news, including incorporations, building permits, real estate transactions, and bankruptcies. Pick up a copy or read Business West online. The vital business news is in Business West, the business journal of Western Mass. Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Hi, Marty here from Lundgren Honda. If you are looking for a pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, we have it. The best selection, the most pre-owned vehicles you'll find anywhere in Franklin County and beyond. Over 100 to choose from. Some dealers may be struggling with their inventory, but not here at Lundgren Honda. We have over 25 half and three-quarter ton trucks in stock and ready to roll. Lundgren Honda is consistently increasing their inventory. The best selection of new and used vehicles in the tri-state region for the best price you'll find anywhere. Experience it. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. I have such a great job. I get to... Um it's a good gig talking to people about things that you really care about and you're passionate about. And every once in a while, you find somebody that you just uh, consistently, universally see the world through a similar lens. It makes it uh, uh, very comforting when you're always trying to reexamine 
how uh, you, your ideology develops, um, especially as you age. And uh, one of those people really is the president and co-founder of Free Speech for People, John Bonifaz, who's on the phone with us. Hello, John. Hi, Buzz. How are you? I am happy that I get the opportunity to speak with you again. Um, I always thought of you as president and co-founder of Free Speech for People. Before that, I thought of you as constitutional activist who was running for secretary of state. And before that, I thought of you as an uh, activist, lawyer, civil rights guy. But now I think of you as Mary Soul's father. Ah, that's very sweet. <laughs> I'm, a proud, I'm a proud father. That's absolutely right. Her passion for climate um, and her ability to articulate not only what the problems are, but what the solutions are. How old is she, 13? 16. Oh, and ready, ready to go. Yes, there you go. She is ready to go. She, we had her on the show, yes. and we were just dazzled by her, particularly how articulate she was, but also how ideologically uh, her foundation is very strong. You've done, a, you've raised a fine young woman. So, congratulations for that. Well, we're we're on the sidelines cheering her. All we're right. Very proud. Yeah. Well, you're not on the sidelines with respect to free speech for people. So. Um, your organization, John, is involved in the struggle to um, save a flailing democracy uh, or a representative democracy, or at least a republic. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I really would like to uh, introduce, if they haven't heard about it already, our listeners to your efforts under the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Yes. Well, we've been around for over a dozen years, as you know, Buzz, at Free Speech for People. We were founded on the day of the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in Citizens United v. FEC, which swept away that century of press and barring corporate money in elections and has resulted in this exponential increase now in big money flooding our elections and drowning out the voices of ordinary people. And we've been engaged in multiple fights to defend our democracy since being launched on that day. But our, our newest fight that is alongside all of our ongoing work is around upholding Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. That is the critical constitutional provision that makes clear that if you've taken an oath of office to defend the Constitution and then you engage in insurrection, you are forever barred from holding public office again. This was enacted as part of the 14th Amendment after the Civil War. It was designed to address the Confederate elites who were in positions of government power or sought to attain positions of government power. And the view was by the framers of the 14th Amendment that they were a threat to the Republic and they could not uh, obtain positions of government power again. And now we have the second insurrection in our nation's history, January 6, 2021, and those who were in office at the time or had taken an oath of office before that insurrection and then engaged in that insurrection, gave aid or comfort to it, or incited it, cannot hold public office again. They're disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And that applies to Donald Trump, the insurrectionist-in-chief, and applies to many others who aided and supported the insurrection on that day. In terms of that litigation, there was a judge down in Georgia who found that Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene could run for office, notwithstanding the provisions of Section 3. Um, could you tell us what you think about that? Yes, we initiated that case. It was one of the a, a series of, of historic challenges we brought this year to members of Congress and a Secretary of State candidate, all of whom had participated in the insurrection. We obviously disagreed with the judge's ruling that Marjorie Taylor Greene had not engaged in the insurrection. She had actually done many things leading up to the insurrection to give aid and comfort to it, including saying on the evening uh, before uh, the insurrection in a video that she posted and shared with her followers all across social media that this is our 1776 moment. And the House Select Committee on the Insurrection in Congress of course, has been investigating all elements of what led up to that day and what happened on that day. And it's well established now that that is code language and was used by the Oath Keepers and others as code language 
uh, for the political violence we saw on January 6th. Uh, but unfortunately, this judge didn't look at that evidence nor other evidence of her history of promoting political violence uh, and instead decided that, that she was not someone who had given aid or comfort to the insurrection. We, we disagree with the decision, but it's also worth noting that that decision established some key principles for moving forward with any new challenges under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to Donald Trump, including that there does not need to be a criminal conviction for holding other office holders accountable. There was no criminal conviction of Marjorie Taylor Greene. There doesn't need to be a criminal conviction of Donald Trump in order to apply the mandate of Section 3 to him. And that finding was, in fact, a, a critical finding that was cited by another judge in New Mexico who recently removed someone, a county commissioner, from office after the finding that he had engaged in insurrection. I think there's another, somebody's running for Congress in Pennsylvania, I think, who actually was in the building doing nefarious... Doug Mastriano right. is running for governor. Oh, he's running for he governor. He organized buses to go down there. We, we, we've issued a letter to the Secretary of the Commonwealth Leah Chapman about that, and we do believe uh, that he is disqualified under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But look, what's, what's really engaged here is a fight for our democracy and this existential crisis uh, that we're facing and, and confronting it head-on in terms of our democracy. And if this constitutional provision is not invoked at this time, then it, it becomes a dead letter in our Constitution. This is clearly designed for addressing what happened on January 6th. And Donald Trump himself is the most responsible uh, with respect to this insurrection and must be held accountable under that provision and must be barred from appearing on any state ballot because of it. It's, uh, we can't overstate how important this is and. And I'm sure listeners have thought about it, but just in case they haven't, I remember being told, I think it was in what used to be called junior high school, that my civics teacher in seventh grade said something I've never forgotten. And it's not that it's so profound, it's just that it stayed with me, which is the benefit of history is you get to stand on the shoulders of those who came before you and see what they saw only with better perspective. It blows me away that in the wake of Reconstruction. We uh, anybody who saw the Lincoln movie, Steven Spielberg's Daniel Day Lewis's depiction of Abraham Lincoln, saw the fight for the Thirteenth Amendment to just say you may not own people in this country. Yes, right. And so that was a terrible battle, but it won in eighteen sixty-five, and then it took three years to put through the Fourteenth Amendment, which added equal protection and and put process of law it imposed that requirement on the states but it also had section three which you're you're pointing to because for insurrect for uh i'm sorry for the the sake of the democracy to have those very people that had declared themselves in a rebellion and wanted to secede from this country's union you just can't have those individuals in congress because they'll do it all over again so after a cantankerous argument, finally, Congress passed that. Absolutely. States ratified that because they realized the importance of not allowing people who want to kill the democracy to run the democracy. And John Boniface of Free Speech for People, how is it that we have to fight this battle again 150 years later? It's pretty incredible, isn't it? And, and, you, and you state it very well, Buzz, in terms of the history of what was decided back during the Reconstruction era and why it so critically applies uh, to this moment. And it shouldn't be solely private litigants and voters that are seeking to uphold Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. We need secretaries of state all across the country, chief election officials who decide whether people are qualified to be on their ballots to do their duty and ensure that the mandate of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is followed. And in the case of Donald Trump, that means that he should not be allowed on their state ballot. So we have issued letters to every chief election official in the country in all 50 states and the District of Columbia making clear that they have a responsibility to bar Trump from the ballot. And we'll be pressing 
that campaign going forward into next year and 2024. But we will also, as we've stated publicly already, be filing multiple legal challenges uh, to Donald Trump in a number of states. Uh, It's not the only way he gets barred, but it's one way that we intend uh, to try to enforce Section 3. Well, it is uh, so sad that uh, fine not-for-profit organizations like Free Speech for People have to carry that load when it's something that our government itself should be uh, advancing in the name of self-preservation for our democracy. But there's a lot more that Free Speech for People and its president, John Bonifaz, are involved in, and we're going to hear about that right after this break. So do stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHFD. How can peace come to Ukraine? Medea Benjamin, the co-founder of Code Pink and co-author of the new book, War in Ukraine, Making Sense of a Senseless Conflict, will be speaking at Smith College Monday evening and will be our guest Monday morning at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Join Mark Patrick Seminars and lose the weight guaranteed for only $49.99. Hypnosis designed to stop disordered eating and cravings. Also, you can stop smoking with Mark Patrick Seminars. Hypnosis can destroy your desire to smoke without cravings, irritability, and weight gain, or your money back. Join the over half million others who have attended. Seminars are Monday, October 3rd at Hotel Northampton. The weight loss seminar is at 5.30 and the stop smoking seminar is at 8 p.m. Go to markpatrickseminars.com to learn more. Mary always worked, always paid rent. Then she got sick, lost her job and her place, and has since been living in her car. The nights are getting cold, and Mary needs to move inside. Thanks to the money raised by Northampton's Shelter Sunday, Mary has options. Shelter Sunday supports four organizations that feed and house the homeless in our community. Shelter Sunday, this Sunday, October 2nd. Look for the Shelter Sunday mailer or give online at northamptonsheltersunday.org. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. The education assistance I received made it possible for me to be the first person in my family to go to school and graduate debt-free. That education helped get me to the first day at my dream job, a job that I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job, plus the other benefits possible from the Army National Guard, helped me become a first-time homeowner. Also, part of my role as a National Guard soldier means I know that I can be one of the first to respond and help my community if disaster ever strikes. I'm extremely proud that I get to serve my community, and that first step I took by joining the Army National Guard has made all the difference in my life. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com to find out what firsts are available to you in the Army National Guard. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Army National Guard. Aired by the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association at this station. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with President and Co-Founder John Bonifaz of Free Speech for People. Before we continue our discussion, John, how do people get in touch with uh, Free Speech for People and how do they get involved? Well, we welcome people joining our efforts at freespeechforpeople.org. You can go to our website at freespeechforpeople.org to sign up to get updates. There's a Take Action page there. On the top right-hand side, there's a button you can click on and get to that page, and you can see all the various actions we're eager to get people involved in, including challenging corruption, election protection, challenging corporate abuse of power, money and politics, restoring our democracy. Uh, we, we, this is a fight for all of us, you know, an, an all-hands-on-deck moment in terms of this fight for our republic. So we urge people to join us in these campaigns. I couldn't put it any better than that. It is all-hands-on-deck. It's up to all of us. But um, there is one area in particular that free speech for people is, I believe taking the lead on in a very special way, and that is uh, your efforts to challenge foreign influence in 
U.S. elections. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, absolutely. You know, when President Obama gave his State of the Union address right after the Citizens United ruling in 2010, he chastised the court for that ruling, and he said it was going to lead to foreign influence in our election. Is that the and moment when Alita yelled, no, you're wrong, or yeah, something like exactly that? Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly the moment when Justice Alito famously broke decorum, shook his head, and mouthed the words, that's true. But, of course, it's proven to be true, not just with the foreign influence in the 2016 election by the Russian government, but also by the way in which foreign investors are able to subvert existing federal law that bars foreign nationals from being able to spend money directly or indirectly in our elections, and they subvert that existing federal law through the corporate form. And so this was a huge loophole that President Obama recognized in that speech that was going to be effectively used by foreign investors to try to influence our elections. And what we have done is, over the past several years, advanced a new model bill that would close that loophole, that would end foreign influence corporate spending in our elections, and it would address some of the worst abuses of the Citizens United ruling. Ninety-eight percent of the S&P 500 would be barred under our law, uh, our proposed law, from making corporate expenditures in elections. That's because those companies have significant foreign investment. They have at least 1% single stock ownership of a foreign investor, or they have 5% in the aggregate from foreign investors. And companies like Amazon and Chevron and Airbnb and Uber, they're all covered by that prohibition. And I'm happy to say the city of Seattle has led the way in passing this law that we've drafted. They voted unanimously in January of 2020 to enact it. It's been in place now through more than one cycle, uh, and it already has shown that corporate money is, is, is going to be blocked now. Uh, multinational corporate money will be blocked from their local elections. And we're working to advance this in other jurisdictions all across the country, in New York, in Massachusetts, California, Minnesota, elsewhere. And it is a bill, a standalone bill in the U.S. Congress, which Congressman Jamie Raskin has introduced. We work closely with him in his office on this. And Senator Warren uh, has introduced it on the Senate side as part of a broad anti-corruption package. Uh, so this is a bill that we're working to fight uh, at the ground level in, in various states and in Congress because we really see it as an important, critical step to addressing the threat of multinational corporate spending in our elections. Critical, critical, critical. I, you know, I don't think of myself as being uh, a Pollyanna, being uh, so naive. Um, a contraire, I think of myself as being politically a little more sophisticated because I pay attention. However, I just can't understand how such great efforts are being taken to make sure, in the, in the name of, we don't want undocumented people to vote. So therefore, we're going to unregister a whole bunch of lawful U.S. citizens just to make sure that nobody who is a foreigner votes in our election. And yet, the very people that are trying to disenfranchise American voters to avoid that little bit of fraud they claim is happening, they'll allow this foreign uh, infusion of influence over the electorate. It blows my mind. Well, you and Robert Reich, Buzz, I mean, that's exactly the, the point that Robert Reich has been making in recent weeks. He's joined this fight of ours. He penned an op-ed for The Guardian on that exact point, uh, and then he issued a, a video endorsing our, our model bill. Uh, but that's exactly the point here, that the focus should not be on this falsehood of undocumented immigrants voting, which is not happening, this idea of voter fraud does not happen. It's a total uh, lie. It's a big lie that, of course, propelled the insurrection. But what is happening is multinational actors are engaged in undermining our elections. Foreign investors to these companies have influence over their corporate political spending, and companies like Amazon and Chevron should have absolutely no say in our elections. Elections should be about the people individual voters, not about artificial state entities that we create and that we should control, not the other way around. I have to ask you, John Boniface, and it's because 
um, I was presumptuous enough to undertake representation of Guantanamo detainees for a dozen years. So it was kind of a grandiose ambition on my part that um, this little guy from Western Massachusetts is going to go and really impact on this massive security effort uh, against this, these 790 men that were being kept there. I wonder about the John Boniface thing. You are, um, it's pretty ambitious to take on the U.S. electoral system as a project, you and your colleagues at Free Speech for People. It must be sobering to understand what you're involved in. Well, it's it's sobering and it's inspiring, and honestly, I get inspiration from people like you, Buzz. I do believe that people need to stand up wherever they are to the injustices that we see in our, our society. They, they, they happen locally, there's no question, but they also happen globally, and we have a role to play uh, for our own humanity, for standing up uh, for people all across the planet uh, who, are, who are, in fact, facing such injustice. So I admire what you've done uh, for your clients in Guantanamo, and I do think uh, that you know there is there is no fight that should not be waged because we're afraid to try to climb that mountain. We've got to we've got to fight those fights because as far as and as high as that mountain may be, uh, they're worthy uh, of the, of these fights. And prior people's movements have demonstrated that. You know, if the civil rights movement, if people said we're just not going to ever be able to achieve or trying to fight for here, we just got to pack it up and go home, we would never have had that movement. Women's suffrage movement, the labor movement, all these movements are examples of ordinary people standing up and fighting for what is right, and that's what really propels us at Free Speech for People, and I know propels uh, people around the, around the country who do this work as well. And the real virtue is in the fight. The real virtue is trying to do right or wrong, fail or not, trying to do the right thing. Not right or wrong. I mean, (laughs) fail or win, trying to do the right thing. His name is John Boniface. And and speaking of local, I just want to remind everybody, this is it. We're here a half hour ago. The 2022 Northampton Jazz Festival began. It is, uh, I'm telling you, the menu is incredible. It is free. These performances are free. The quality of the musicianship is top flight, like New York top flight quality and it's right here throughout Northampton the jazz strut is taking place now and I think that uh, at 530 the SciTech band will be at Pulaski Park Pulaski Park and we'll be able to go from there John Bonifaz you are a hero of mine and I think of many others and I thank you for so much that of what you do and the other folks at free speech for people folks support it free speech for people be part of the solution by joining John, thank you. Uh, Thank you. Right back at you. So much thank you. Have a great weekend. And please say hi to Marisol and tell her I thought she was 13. It was just my failing memory. That's That's all right. I will. I will. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Everybody else, have a great weekend. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2. Live only on News and Talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, Northampton Radio Group Station.